<laughs> Peter M. I just want to thank Eric for that great introduction. <laughs> Twelve hours in the airport, two flights to get here, and he says, "Here's Peter." <laughs> when do you want me back again? <laughs> I left 85 degrees and sunny to come here, and I get here's Peter. This is tonight. <clears throat> I think with that we'll go to dinner, and uh, you do the session. <laughs> my, my name is Peter. I'm a recovered alcoholic. I'm uh, grateful to be alive and sober and part of a sacred place called Alcoholics Anonymous. And uh, thank uh, Eric and Mike and Amot uh, for uh, having me here and share my experience, strength, and hope. Um, what it was like would happen, what it's like now as a result of a loving God sponsorship in my big book uh, where the 12 steps are written. Um, I say recovered alcoholic because I am, and anything less than that would be falsely humble. And the loving God separated me from alcohol on June 23rd, 1988. My separation from alcohol was a violent one. It was an ugly one. It wasn't something I decided to do on June 23rd, 1988. Know that I have plans of landing in Alcoholics Anonymous. I just didn't want to die in 1988 of June. And the loving God got in there, separated me from alcohol for the last time. And I say the last time because it is the last time as long as I keep spiritually fit. And I visited my last treatment center, number seven, and uh, brought me from the scrap heap to a level of life better than the best I've ever known because all I need to do is continue to seek this power, seek the Father, and he gives me freedom. And I, we've gotten our spiritual wings. We got our spiritual wings in Alcoholics Anonymous, and my job is to take that, this message, to my home occupations and affairs, not only in Alcoholics Anonymous. So I'm very grateful for this gift called uh, Recovered. And I'm no longer a recovering anything, nor do I want to be one, because I know what recovering looks like. And if you don't know your big book, go to page 52 and see to be devilments. And that's recovering. That's not where I want to be. What I want to do is experience my God. And as a result, experiencing my God, current experience with God, the byproduct of that is being a recovered drunk. Not only no longer suffering from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body, but no longer suffering from alcoholism because this thing will go underground and resurface in other areas even though I'm making meetings. And I have a sponsor and I'm sponsoring people. And I put on my AA game face when I come to Alcoholics Anonymous, but there's a lot of other things going on below the surface that I won't let you see. So I'm grateful to be recovered from that stuff too, like the sex sprees and the food sprees and the money sprees and the anger sprees and the fear sprees and something that we don't talk a whole lot about that basically the whole planet suffers from probably the greatest addiction in the world, and that's the thinking spree, because we're always thinking. Like half you guys are thinking, when's he going to shut up because i got to go eat? <laughs> How much track am I going to get going home? What's work going to look like on Monday? I've got to take care of the kids, and this is doing an AA meeting where we're supposed to be present. Or I'm listening to a fifth step, and I'm thinking of 45 other things. And we're always thinking. We're thinking, constantly thinking. And as long as I'm thinking, the ego is running the show. And I'm wondering, how come I can't experience God? I'm trying to squeeze in, squeeze. I'm trying to fight my way in. I'm trying to experience presence. I'm trying to experience stillness. But I'm thinking, and how can I do that? They're, they're, they're opposed. 
And one of the great things I've gotten to experience in Alcoholics Anonymous is not only the sacred fellowship, which was a band-aid on an open wound when I got here, but the program inside the fellowship and through working with that and growing in understanding and effectiveness and getting to, I get to live with strict spiritual disciplines at 10 and 11. I do practice that stuff. I get to practice mindfulness and presence and surrendering to what is and no longer being attached to before and later on, which is exactly where my mind wants to drive me. And then it drives me away from you and then drives me back to a drink rather than being moved by the spirit. And the great thing that has happened to me as a result of this work and working with a lot of other books along with my big book is that instead of the mind using me, we, I get to use it. I'm no longer hostage to my thoughts again. Most of us, the thoughts have us. We don't have thoughts. They have us and they drive us. They drive us and they drive us. And it's just another form of current unmanageability, but the ego will never allow me to say that. Unmanageability is, is driven by my effort to live life on self-will, and the external world owns me. And I'm looking for this, I'm looking for her, I'm looking for money, I'm looking for the job, I'm looking for something to make me feel okay in here while I'm making lots of meetings, but I'm just not right. It's because my mind is in charge. And if my mind is in charge, that's what I'm worshiping. And my mind becomes my God, and all I do is think. And the neat thing about experiencing this power called God, we don't know what the day, when it's going to happen and how long it's going to happen, but we get to experience some presence. We get to experience some mindfulness. We get to experience breath. And at that point, I don't need to think anymore. And there's a tremendous amount of freedom in not thinking, but I'm getting moved by this power called God. And I become and we become that much more effective, that much more greater agents for God, which is what they were talking about, being agents for God continually turning my life over to God, turning everything over to God, because if I'm not turning it over to God, the illness will take it right back, and it'll take people with it. It'll take our loved ones, it'll take our job, it'll take our money, and it doesn't care. So it's, for me, it's a constant surrender every morning on my knees to this power called God. And I ask God, I surrender to you, or let me carry out the vision of your will for me. Show me what relationships to have and how to have them, because I don't want to be in charge of that either, because my life is no longer any of my business. It hasn't been my business for a long time. And very often, God will push us to the edge. When it looks like it's really dark and things are closing in, and all God is doing is moving and removing. It did it for me in 1988. It has done it for me many times in sobriety. God will bring me to the edge to get his attention so I surrender once again and then he takes me from this place to that place and everything looks right again. The world gets right-sized again as long as I'm not in charge. And it's interesting. Sometimes in our worst moments where we can't figure it out anymore and that's usually at the bottom right before we sober up. June 23rd, 1988, that happened for me. There were no more lurking notions, no reservations. I wasn't trying to get sober for her or the job. There was nothing. I had nothing. I was completely standing raw before my God. We get surrendered at that point, and when that happens, the dialogue changes for the first time in our life. And it could happen in Alcoholics Anonymous where the dialogue changes. I'm not listening to intellect. I'm not listening to belief systems. I'm not listening to a mind. But everything shuts down at that moment. We're listening to something different. It's the spirit that's now moving us, and somehow dots get connected. That happens when we know nothing 
about recovery. It's the worst moment of our life turning out to be the best, the beginning of a new life. We get reborn and resurrected in Alcoholics Anonymous, and it starts in the worst moment of all our lives. That day of surrender, if you will, that day where we're finally separated. Right? That doesn't feel good that day. But our book says we get to recreate our life and we get reborn and we can continually do that. Now, I can never be reborn of the flesh. This is what I am. This is how God made me. And nor can you. But we get reborn from the inside over and over and over. And it really is contingent on my relationship with the loving God. And what this program is about, we have a lot of different things, a lot of different hats in our fellowship. Hopefully it's all love and no opposite. But the program is clear. It's about driving us back to God. And what we ought to be here and not apologize for is a pep rally for the power of God and Alcoholics Anonymous and nothing less than that great fat because when it's all said and done I got to turn to one power and that's God not a, not a human power not money no external condition but just one power that power is God mm. and the great thing about our big book it takes us there this book will enable me to find the power which will solve my problem not only the booze problem but my living problem because if you're in here and you've been told live life on life's terms don't listen to that because we can't live life on life's terms I get an F on my report card for living life on life's terms I don't know how to do that I need a drink to live life on life's terms. I need a drink just to get in the shower. I need a drink to turn the key on and stop my car. I need a drink. I just need a drink to wake up. I need a drink. I can't live life on life's terms. I'm fear-based and insecure. Living life on God's terms is simple, easy, and open. And it's his terms, not mine. Very often when we hear people say, need to live life on life's terms, it's really life on Peter Marinelli's terms. And that includes you, too. You have to do what I want. Speak when I think you should speak. Behave the way I think you should behave. And when that's not happening, I'm living all, when that's happening, I'm living all over page 52. And I say this because I, I, I know a lot of you folks in here who aren't newbies in AA, who are around AA a while. And what we need to be careful for is the untreated alcoholism, even though we have double-digit sobriety. What's my current spiritual condition look like? Am I suffering untreated alcoholism? Am I suffering some current agnosticism? And if I am, I'm in self-will. And I have current unmanageability, which means I'm back in fear again. But all of those things will tell you you're doing fine. Pete, you're doing fine. It's okay. Everyone likes you. You must be doing okay. So now my spiritual condition is based on approval and not what I'm really doing. Who are we accountable to? Do we have sponsors? Do I have a sponsor? Am I writing inventory? Am I praying and meditating? Am I seeking my God? Am I of service to others, not only in AA, where it's popular? Am I of service to others when I'm in the public supermarket? Am I of service to others when a guy's do, doing a jog and trips and falls, do I step over him? Do I look at that as an inconvenience or I'm really an effective agent for God? And if the conversion has happened, it's what we do. If the conversion hasn't happened, I'm doing it for applause and attention or I don't do it at all. The way I was brought up in Alcoholics Anonymous is about being a spiritual warrior and embracing change and going through change because there's greater pain in changing than not change itself. 
And this whole program I've been taught over and over and over again is about removal and change, removal and change, and most of us don't want to do that, nor do I. But we get our backs pushed up against the wall and say, okay, what do I got to do to change? Well, what if, what if we got ignited and we embraced that? What if we got ignited with this power called God and then gobbling up books and seeking new experiences with God and becoming a pep rally for God and looking for the newcomer walking the door and says, I have a solution for you. Forget 90 meetings in 90 days because you'll probably be junk by midnight. They didn't have 90 meetings in 90 days at the beginning. They had a meeting a week. But the sense of urgency to approach this work, the sense of urgency to get right where God was there. So let's work. Let's hold on to each other's hands and go through this. And then we'll go get another one, huh? What do I do about that stuff? My sponsor always talks about this. We all have, before it gets reconciled, that thing, that hurt, that shame, that thing that has happened to us. And going to meetings won't treat that because I'm not going to tell anyone about it. But we know it's there and it comes up every once in a while. It's shame, it's guilt, it's remorse. That dictates how I live. That dictates how I hear you. That dictates how I speak to you because I got fear, I got guilt, I got remorse that's laying here like a cancer. And it determines how I'm going to operate through life. And I can appear to you to be free, but I'm not. I'm a little bit less than, I'm a little bit sicker. I got something going on here that I can't tell anyone about. And this is about freedom. Here's one of the freedoms I got to experience as a result of Alcoholics Anonymous. I'm a Catholic. And I, I've had great experiences going to my church and lighting candles. Flipped my life around. I stopped going to Mass. And something was missing from my life. And part of going through this work, this work was an amends to go back to my religious community and talk to a parish priest about why I'm not going to Mass, even though I felt moved to go. And I sat with this parish priest in something I, they, they call a confession, and I told him what was going on with me, and I was here to make amends, and he didn't preach to me. He just gave me some really good direction. And because of the steps, because of amends, because of Alcoholics Anonymous, I'm now a regular church member. I go to Mass every Sunday, unless I'm doing one of these and I can't get home in time. And I do all of that. It's not religious dogma to, to me. I've embraced it. And what has happened is that doors have blown open for me. I've never felt more freer and more right on the inside, which hopefully manifests out there in my entire almost 25 years of sobriety. I have a home, it's called Alcoholics Anonymous. It has taken me to another home and has brought me closer to people I work with, people I sponsor, it's brought me closer to people. I have nothing to hide, my life is an open book. Because I and you, we walk with our creator, whether we're cognizant of that or not. We walk with our creator, whatever that power might be. We just need to wake up to find out that we walk arm in arm with this power. In the fifth step promises, it talks about hand in hand. That's not duality, that's oneness, that's not separateness, that's oneness. We get to experience that in Alcoholics Anonymous. Or we can go to an AA meeting and talk about my drama for the day, who has a burning desire, and it goes on and on and on and on. Rather than shouting, you can get right with God, whatever that God is, it's called the 12 steps. I live in South Florida, and in South Florida, you can get pills anywhere you want. There are pill mills all over the place. And these young little kids know how to get bogus prescriptions. They'll get any kind of script, find out the doctor, get it filled, and get loaded, right? Mm -hmm. Our big book, our basic text from the preface to 164 is one big prescription on how to get well. And we wait. 
I was sick a couple of weeks ago, a little bronchitis, a little flu, the whole thing going on. I went to the doctor. He gave me a prescription. I ran to the pharmacy, got it filled out, and I started taking the medicine because I don't like the effects produced by having the flu. I couldn't even speak. I want to get better. We come into Alcoholics Anonymous, and we have a terminal illness called alcoholism, and they say, here's the prescription. It's a big book. Follow it. You'll get well. We say, I think I'll wait. I think I'll do my 90 and 90 first. And annoy a whole lot of people over those three months. Right? June of 1988, when I came into Alcoholics Anonymous, I had been through uh, 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 seven treatment centers. I knew about treatment. I'd been exposed to Alcoholics Anonymous. And bless their hearts, no one ever said, get out of here, you can't come back. When I was blind drunk, they said, keep coming back. And that's a great thing. No one says, you can't come back here. No one says, oh, you don't have a big book, get out. Because we can take this big book to the extreme and become dangerous, too. I know groups like that. You can't share unless you did certain things. And it becomes, then it looks like a cult. But they just said, doors open, welcome, welcome, welcome. It's a band on an open wound, and I need to remember that when a newcomer walks in. Newcomer doesn't know, and I need to have patience and tolerance, and, but teach them. Not roll over, but teach them. But I knew nothing about recovery. And I still had some problems, serious ones, with this power called God. And I looked at old timers, and they were guys with 20 or 30 years. I, I can't identify. I'd like to be like them, but I can't get there. How do you get there? And I thought I was one of those folks who was never going to get sober. I remember uh, in my first year saying, who am I kidding? All the treatment centers I've had, priests pray over me, throw holy water on me. I've gone to psychiatrists, I've gone to therapists, I've taken beatings, you name it. Everything was done to get me to quit drinking. Now they're throwing God at me. Who am I kidding? But in desperation, the gift of desperation, I held on. And you told me to do something, I do it, even if I didn't believe it. You told me to do something, I did it, even though I didn't believe it. And then a week became a month, and a month became a year, and a year became two years. And suddenly I was connected to my God. And the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous was not just a book. It was becoming internalized. I was becoming part of the book. I was representing the book. I became the book the same way you can. And we become our God. We become a direct reflection of that power called God. And nothing less than that great fact. I should be a walking example of this power called God in all my affairs. Because my friend Thomas said it, we get, and this will disturb a lot of contemporary AA, because of the power called God, and because God funnels through us and out to you, we get to heal people in Alcoholics Anonymous. I don't mean I'm going to lay my hand on your head and you're going to fall down, but we go into homes, occupations, and affairs, we take this message. We go into a drunk's house, and the wife says, get him out of here. And the house looks drunk, it smells drunk, it feels drunk. It's a sick house. And we work with that drunk a couple of weeks, a couple of months, and they get the spiritual transformation and the same drunk who was driven to drink and ruin everything is moved to go practice these principles in all their affairs and be a husband or a wife and a father etc and be a good employee and spend time home and be the best example of their God in the big book and you go back and visit that house it's been touched it's a God house the children aren't afraid anymore, and the wife isn't afraid anymore, and he's going on vacation with them, and he has a home group, and he's working, and he's bringing home money, and he's doing homework with his kids. It's become a God house, all because of Alcoholics Anonymous. That's healing. 
That's what God does. It doesn't have to be Moses on a mountain part in a river. It's one drunk going into a house, pulling a drunk out and work with them and giving them God, which is what this whole deal is about. The 12 steps are for what? Mechanics, no. Mechanics to get you to God, to experience God. That's what we do here. Huh? And some of us bark about it. Some of us talk about it. We're different. It's one piano. Some of us play classical music on it. Some of us play heavy metal. But it's a piano. It's the same instrument. And we give it away in different ways. But don't change the piano into a tuba. <laughs> so when I got to Alcoholics Anonymous, I didn't know anything. And I can't say I know a bunch more, but I've had great experiences in Alcoholics Anonymous, which have revolutionized and transformed my life. I will never be the same again. And God in his infinite abundance and love feeds me more. And I get to feed the men I sponsor. Because as messengers of God, we all should be here to serve and not expect to be served. And yet I go home full. And who's ever last shall be first. I mean, it's just the way it works. We get to wear the world like a loose garment. Uh, the experiences God has given me have transformed my life for good. And I go through the work less than a year ago. Because I go through the work at least once a year, sometimes twice a year, not knowing where I'm going to go with this, but just the movement to experience more of my God so I can be a better sponsor. I have something to transmit, and it is an untreated alcoholism. And what comes out of that is this amends to my religious community. Thinking it's just an amends, and it blows doors open because my Heavenly Father says, I have more for you. I'm not done. I have more for you to give away to others. Abundance. That's a great word in Alcoholics Anonymous, abundance. Abundance of God, abundance of recovery, abundance of this fellowship, abundance of this. Because I'll lay out from here to Vegas on a Friday night. I'm sure we're not supposed to be sitting listening to three guys go through the book. It's, it's 9 o'clock. The engine is running. Keep them coming. Right? But here we are, joined together to be taught, to experience, and to pass on to others. All in the name of God. I get to do this a lot, and I do sometimes smaller crowds, sometimes there's real large crowds, and at some time, at some point over the weekend, you get a couple of hundred or a few thousand drunks. The discussion is gonna be about God. It's a God movement. Different ways, different language, but at some point, we're gonna be talking about God. And I'm sure God looks down and says they got it. Because my, my job, like yours, is what God always, I always get in a meditation, go bring my children back to me. We're here now. Do you know how many are out drinking and going to die tonight? There's somebody in a crack house right now is going down. Somebody's going to overdose or hit a telephone pole drunken and dry. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. I'm in the treatment center business too. It's a nightmare. It's a nightmare. And what's really heartbreaking is I listen to the families every day who don't know what to do. But we get to talk this weekend about the problem and the solution. I know lots of folks who come out of treatment, who go into treatment, multiple treatment centers, been in and out of AA for years, and you ask them what's wrong, you say, I drink too much, why? They don't know. Mm. How are you gonna get well? Well, I gotta think positive thoughts. <laughs> I'm gonna make more meetings. I mean, it sounds good, but it, it doesn't work. So my job is to teach. Our job is to teach. 
So hopefully we get to share about the need for the spiritual experience, the need for the spiritual transformation, the need to get a big book and a sponsor who's gone through the book, a mad dog. <laughs> right? For some of you guys who use powdered goods out there, right? When I was into non-conference approved dry goods, and I'm running through the streets of Manhattan, right? I'm in lower Manhattan, and we here, up in Harlem, they got pure stuff that hit the street, and people are overdosing left and right. Guess where I went? Up there. We come into recovery, and we're suffering from a terminal illness, and we hear there's a big book mad dog meeting on the corner, and there's a don't drink go to meeting down the, down the block, Guess where we go? Well, the girls are pretty, so I'm going there. It makes no sense. We always went to get the best when we're out there, best liquor, right? Best, best drugs when we come into Alcoholics Anonymous, and we settle for what we don't have to settle for. So I, I'd like to, uh, over the weekend, and I, I know Myers and Chris will, not only share the mechanics, but the need to do this and how we get to do this, how we get to get uh, transformed and land where we are now, completely free. If you're experiencing bondage, do you want to get free of that? And if you're experiencing freedom, do you want to get freer? Right? Just one question. How many folks have gone through the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous? Show of hands. Right? And how many haven't? Okay. Okay. The folks who had their hands up that they went through the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, uh, show of hands, you went through all 12 steps? Okay. So here's something you have to raise your hand for as we go through the weekend. If you say you went through all 12 steps, do you have outstanding amends that you haven't made that you could be making tonight? <laughs> so have you really gone through all 12 steps? Or do you have a bunch of outstanding amends that you could be making and you wouldn't cause more harm in so doing, but you're not making? And you probably won't, but I raise my hand and say, I've gone through all 12 steps. One of my teachers would say, have you had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, or have had a spiritual awakening as a result of steps nine and a half? Right? Something to think about. That's all I got, peace. Most excellent. All right, thank you.